Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube show based on a podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I'm Michael Morey. And this week we're here to talk about Black Panther, but we're also joined by a guest. Everyone welcome, Traco Matthews. Hi everyone. Traco, how's it going? It's going great. Good, good. Is this your first podcast? Absolutely. Yeah? That's awesome. Are you a podcast guy? Actually, I listen to them on occasion. I okay. don't have a lot of time, but when I do, I, I like to listen to yours. Really? <laughs> Sometimes. Okay. <Yeah>. For sure. <laughs> on, a, on a few occasions. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's more than most people who are on the show. <laughs> um, so, Draco, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Oh my goodness, my nephews asked me that today after we saw Black Panther. <laughs> so I would say that um, I'm a huge uh, fan of the Lord of the Rings series. Okay. So Return of the King is probably my favorite movie of that series, and so currently on top of the, the heap. Okay, um, so it just kind of rotates out which Lord of the Rings movie? Yeah, it, or it depends. Maybe sometimes um, you know, I'm feeling Star Wars okay. more. So if I go to a different series, okay. then um, I, I, you know, the, my favorite movie in that series may jump to the top okay. of the mountain temporarily. Got it. What is it about Lord of the Rings that you gravitate towards? Well, so, uh, you know, I love the story, love the, um, I would say the correlations to, to my faith. And okay. So, you know, it's a, it's a picture, of course, of, of, of Christ, and um, that really resonates with me. Yeah. Yeah. Bit, so. Definitely. Um, my wife's a huge Lord of the Rings fan, too, so I get that. I mean, I don't get that. I'm not like a huge Lord of the Rings guy, but I'm around it a lot. Um, she covered her shoes. Her wedding shoes were actually, um, she Mod Podged pages from the Two Towers oh my God. onto them. Yeah. Well, my wife and I are actually, earlier this year, we're looking at tickets to New Zealand. Oh, really? I'm not nice. sure if we'll make it this year or next, mm-hmm. but definitely in our future. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that would be cool. That. I'm not like a huge Lord of the Rings guy, but that would be awesome. I think it'd be cool. It's that's really smart, like tourism marketing. Uh-huh. I feel like it is um, really smart. Um, so yeah, Traco's here to join us uh, and talk about Black Panther, a movie that has been sparking a lot of discussion. Some of it kind of terrible. We're not going to talk about that, but um, <laughs> yeah. man, people have thoughts about this movie. Uh, but as always, we take kind of a macro look at some stuff. This one's not going to be as macro, but we're going to look at a related topic. It's a a movie I want I want to talk about that I haven't talked about on the podcast. I talked about it on the YouTube show, but I haven't seen it in a while, and I feel like that's the perfect time to talk about it because of how close I am to the movie. And that's the movie Creed. Uh, the reason we're talking about that: Ryan Coogler wrote and directed Creed, and he wrote and directed Black Panther. Um, both have Michael B. Jordan and various various levels of stardom in it. Um, Creed is a movie that, when I saw it, when I heard about it, I was like, that's a stupid idea. (laughs) (laughs) Creed should not work on paper. Uh -uh. It sounds like the cash-grabbiest movie that's ever existed. I thought the same. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Apollo Creed has an illegitimate son, and he gets taught by Rocky. Yeah. It, like that premise sounds like an eye roll and an obscene hand gesture yes. waiting to happen. Like it just—I immediately dismissed that movie, and then I, someone—I want to say it was you, Mike—saw it. Yeah, like opening night. Did you really? Pretty sure. Yeah. And uh, then you wouldn't shut up about it. Yeah, it was because it was freaking amazing. So I, uh, 
it came out like right around the time I got married, actually. And so I was busy <laughs> with that. And as a matter of fact, I remember hounding my wife every day on our honeymoon in Nashville to be, see if we could try to go see Creed. You're a brave man. And the, <laughs> the day after we got back, I went to see it. <laughs> the day after we, like, we, we had been in town less than 24 hours. And I was like, I'm seeing this movie. And I went and, uh, have you ever watched a movie and realized it was one of the 10, your 10 favorite movies as you were watching it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say like with The Dark Knight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's definitely another one. Very rarely for me. I usually have to go back and kind of reflect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Black Panther did that for me. I know we won't talk about that until later. Oh, okay. In the middle of it, it was one of those epiphany moments. But yeah. also with Creed. So with Creed, I was yeah. in the middle of watching it. It m- might be... I knew I was in for something special at the very beginning of the movie. Um, when the 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 social worker no um it's when he meets with his soon stepmom, stepmom soon to be stepmom mm-hmm. in juvenile hall and she tells him about his dad for the first time it's the first time he's heard quote the truth about his dad and young creed says what was his name like what was my daddy's name and in huge letters that take up the whole screen, it says Creed. And it's just a black screen with white lettering that says Creed. And I remember getting chills. Like, I had a physical reaction to that because of the great storytelling that was going on. It, like, it represented so many things of, like, Creed is, lo- like, even though he died in the third movie, right? Mm-hmm. Third movie? Even though he died fourth, in the third movie. Fourth. Fourth? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Russian. Russian. Yeah. Even though he died in the fourth movie... Him as a character is going to loom heavy over the rest of this movie. Like, that was the implication. And I was like, that was great storytelling. And then the rest of the movie is, a, like, the best storytelling in a movie I think I've seen all decade. Yep. Um, and at, like, in the middle of watching it, I was like, this is one of my ten favorite movies, like, hands down. I actually, when we were doing the before and after show, I tried recording a bonus episode on my phone on my way home from dropping my dad off. I went to see you with my dad. I was I dropped my dad off and tried recording an episode on my phone and I was too emotional. Not that I was crying or anything, but it was just it sounded like nonsense. Like I was I was so hyped about the movie that it sounded like a crazy person was talking about the movie and I was like, "Well, maybe I need to get away from it." And then I did it again on the YouTube show and I had rewatched it for the YouTube show and I was mm. hype on it again. And it was sort of this vicious circle. So uh, Creed is one of my 10 favorite movies. It's an incredible movie with incredible storytelling and performances across the board. Yep. Um, really tight. There's not a single wasted moment in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a master class in how to tell a story through the medium of cinema. Yep. Um, Mike, what do you think about Creed? It's not in my top 10. It's probably like in my top 30 or something. <laughs> it's pretty damn good. Um, I think it has one of the best slow peeling back of a character's motivations yeah. and reveals I've seen in the movie because I mean obviously you know that uh Creed's son the main character Michael B. Jordan's character he's got a chip on his shoulder and we know it relates to his dad and the whole movie you're kind of like but like 
why and what and it kind of slowly reveals more and more about what's driving him and why he feels the need to go and prove himself until like the gut punch moment at the end of the movie where he goes and says like because he wants to prove that he's not a mistake Mm -hmm. and that when that happened and they reveal that information like during the final fight like i got a lump in my throat yeah and that's when i knew it was a great film like i mean i know what i watched before was great but then i was like okay this solidified it as something special it's a really cohesive piece yeah it's really it like really is it's like so contained and well put together across like its themes and its storytelling it's so good yeah Trico, what did you think about creed so creed i would say is probably in my top 25 30 Mm -hmm. as well i'm gonna say top 10 necessarily but the measure of a great movie for me, I know if I post about it, oh, <laughs> and uh-huh. if I see it more than once in theaters, and I yeah. saw this one twice, Okay. Um, it, it, to me that makes it special, and you kind of know that almost every great story, um, or every great superhero story, the first part is always about the identity. It's always about mm-hmm. finding out who you are, mm-hmm. and I thought that Creed did such an amazing job of digging into that, and, and you know, piece by piece divulging the elements and the pieces where it comes to this climax where mm-hmm. you understand okay this is him discovering and understanding who he is yep. and how that drives what he does um that made it so special for me and i don't remember getting a lump in my throat um i just remember immediately posting on instagram mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> exulting and talking about how it was the best movie of the year oh yeah um, it hands it was, down was absolutely. the best movie of the year that came out yeah um no i that movie's great. It like acro- like I said across the board, the themes are there, but the characters are also there. Like there's so, so many memorable characters, and, and even obviously Rocky's there. And yeah, he's he's, he's he, great. yeah he's it's the best performance Stallone has ever given. Maybe yeah, I agree, except yeah. the original Rocky, maybe. <laughs> um, but we got introduced to Tessa Thompson yes. in this movie. That was, was my introduction to her. She was great. Holy moly. Immediately became one of my favorite actresses uh, based on that performance in Creed. And just the way that, you know, they're kind of the, the core three of the movie. Um, and the way it tells the different the stories of how they're all fighters in their different way, Mm. especially like leaning into the legacy of Rocky of like Rocky was a fighter the way Creed was. And we rooted for him the way we root for Creed in this one. But now he's got this cancer and he's fighting that, you know, it takes him, it puts him in a fight. We've never seen him have to deal with, especially because, you know, when we think about Rocky, we think of Stallone and like, you know, like just like a hunk of meat, yeah. you know, like <laughs> and, and punching hunks and of pu- meat and punching hunks of meat. <laughs> and this one, we, like he's fragile. You know, yeah. we were we we get reminded, like, hey, the reason we made fun of Rocky Balboa is like Stallone's old. Um, <laughs> you know, he's an old man now, and now he's got to deal with old man fights. He can't yeah. get back in the ring. Um, and I remember when that reveal happened the first time I saw it, I was like, I don't know if a cancer subplot is really like we need this necessarily and then it's just perfect like it it works so well in the context of the rest of the movie it's not one of those things that sounds really trite on paper yeah but the movie executes it perfectly and you're completely fine with it yeah um ryan cooper made that movie when he was 26 27 something like that uh yeah he's 31 now so 
he's he's only a year older than me, which is a bummer. Um, and he's also made another movie um, called Fruitvale Station. Have you guys seen Fruitvale no, Station? Have I'm you seen, seen it? That it's on Netflix. It's pretty good. Also, Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Coogler. Okay. Um, it's about. Uh, Oh, I don't remember the guy's name. It's about a man, a young man who was murdered by the police on New Year's Eve in Oakland um, at Fruitvale Station. The the um, I think it's a BART station uh, or a metro station. Um, but it was it, it kind of predates the 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 Black Lives Matter movement and the like. Um, I guess that started probably with Trayvon Martin and that. Well, Michael Brown was probably the one that kicked it off, right? Yeah, so 2014 was before then, right? <clears throat> yeah, it was way before then. It was before even the Trayvon Martin case happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was like, there was cell phone video and tons of eyewitnesses that all, like everyone was on board. Like, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. He was complying and they murdered him. And Oscar uh, Grant. What's that? Oscar Grant. Okay. Oscar Grant? Yeah, actually, I think that's the name of the the guy in the movie. Uh, it's based on a true story. I'll find the name. Okay, I think that is his name. Okay, I think that was his. I think they used his real name in it. Um, and it's this kind of slice of life movie of him just kind of going through his New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. It, it all takes place over the course of the New Year's Eve, and uh, you know, eventually him getting murdered by Oakland PD. It's a really personal movie, and you can tell, especially if you know that Coogler is from Oakland. Mm-hmm. Um, something that he works into Black Panther as well. Um, and it's, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, I don't think, I think Creed's probably going to be his masterpiece for as long as he lives. (laughs) Um, but he's just a really compelling filmmaker. Um, you know, he's all, he's, he's constantly making interesting choices. Um, I think, and I think that is to be valued in a creator more than necessarily making the quote best choices. For the piece, I would rather be interested in something ambitious than just being like, that was good and going home, mm-hmm. you know, um, or that was very well done and going home. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm going to use that to transition into Black Panther, which I've seen the movie three times now. So it's it's it seems like I'm pretty high on it. And I am. I really like the movie. I still think Creed's the better movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had uh, it just ended up being kind of planned to, to th- see it three times. Uh, I also feel like I was making up for Creed screenings because I wanted to watch that movie every day. <laughs> and uh, so I, I feel like the the my three viewings of Black Panther are actually my three viewings of Creed in theaters that I wanted to get under my belt. Um, but I also think, not that he needs it, obviously, with this being the second highest grossing uh, Marvel movie uh, opening weekend and fifth highest domestic opening weekend ever. Um he doesn't need my financial support, but Coogler is a filmmaker that I want to see his movies as much as possible in a theater because I want him to keep making them. And like, he's not like Spielberg where they're just going to keep getting necessarily into theaters. He is now (laughs) for sure. But you know, Spielberg, my favorite director of all time, I don't necessarily feel the need to see his movies multiple times Mm because he's got a legacy solidified already. Coogler until Black Panther kind of like could have gone either way, you know? Um, and so I wanted to support any, you know, it could have been Creed 2 if he directed Creed 2 and I probably would have seen it just as many times. Um, but so after Creed, he transitions over to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Marvel Cinematic Universe's 18th movie. 
is uh, Black Panther. Almost said Creed. Um, Black Panther is a character that was introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Civil War two years ago, right? Yes. Yeah, two years ago. Um, he was he was sort of the neutral third party in in that situation. Um, he was there as a victim of circumstance because his father was killed in the UN bombing that was related to uh, uh, Zemo trying to get at Captain America and, and Tony Stark. So he was, you know, he didn't really have, pardon the pun, a dog in the fight, even though he's a cat. Um, he didn't really have a dog in the fight and so until he was forced into it. And <clears throat> from the get-go, I thought that was a really interesting character um, just because, one, I think Chadwick Boseman's awesome in the role. I think he embodies, like... T'Challa really well uh, but I thought it was interesting that they started to introduce these characters without origin stories necessarily mm-hmm. um, it's something they've been needing to do for a long time mm-hmm. and I'm really glad Black Panther was one of them um, because it kind of opens up the door for his solo movie and so I, I was you know really into Civil War really liked it really liked the character and then they announced Ryan Coogler's directing Black Panther and immediate just like hype at 11. Uh, <laughs> like I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I fell in love with the Black Panther character, wanted all the Black Panther merch, um, was super into that character. And then this guy who's one of my new favorite directors, you know, he, he just directed a movie that as I watched it, made the conscious decision to put into my top 10 favorite movies of all time is going to take on this character that's now probably in my top favorite of the Marvel movies. And uh, so this weekend we got Black Panther's first solo outing um, written and directed by Ryan Coogler and his writing partner, whose name I don't remember, Joe something, mm, yeah, Joseph something. We'll come back to it. Yeah, he uh, he also helped co-wrote Creed. I don't know if he co-wrote uh, Fruitvale Station with him. But it's, uh, it's, like I said, the 18th movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe follows... Right after, one week after the events of Civil War, um, T'Challa's on his way back to Wakanda to uh, assume the mantle of King of Wakanda and uh, officially become the Black Panther. And also, while that's happening, there's a guy named uh, Eric Stevens who is selling vibranium which is wakanda's biggest export on the black market with the help of a guy named ulysses claw and he's trying to get revenge on the wakandans for murdering his father and uh he eventually finds wakanda it's not like a hidden country necessarily it's on the map but the they've hidden their vibranium he eventually finds wakanda and there's a power struggle between him and t'challa for the throne because it turns out they're related spoilers uh and that's kind of it. Like, the movie is is basically, uh, like, James Bond, The Godfather, and a whole lot of Shakespeare. <laughs> um, it's, 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 a, it's a really down-the-middle movie, especially for the Marvel movies. It's not really interested in being one at all. Mm. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say it hates that it's a Marvel movie, but it is actively disinterested in being one, um, which is actually the most refreshing thing about the movie. Um, you know, it, it is, it sticks out like a sore thumb from the rest of the Marvel movies, but in a good way, not in the way something like a Thor Ragnarok does. Yeah. Um, 
And it's maybe not, I like, it's, it's maybe not as good as the hype that I had going into it. Um, I really was disappointed with the action. Um, we'll talk about that in, at large in a second. But for my money, Kugler is still exhibiting his best traits, which is really compelling characters and really compelling themes. Um, I think this cast is wonderful across the board. I don't think there's a bad performance in the movie like there is in Creed. Um, and I think the themes that that come through are really challenging. It's the first Marvel movie I feel like that has something on its mind mm-hmm. um, and left me with something to think about. I know it sounds like I'm crapping on the Marvel movies, by the way. I like most of them. I would say 95% of them. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a little more uneven than Creed. And that's fine because I feel like Creed's like borderline perfect. So yeah. it's, it's like hard to... Hard to hit that level again. But, uh, Traco, what did you think about Black Panther? Absolutely. If I had to describe the movie in one word, I would say the first word that jumps out to me is substance. Yeah. So there are, honestly, seven to eight like really deep, compelling themes in the story. And I think that um, it's it's atypical because Marvel movies, usually, they're, they're mostly about entertainment. And mm-hmm. so you've got the humor... Um, whether it's Tony Stark or you know uh, Thor or whoever, and you know they're eating a shawarma at the end of the movie, and, and right. it's, you know they beat the bad guys. You know that's going to happen, and there's not a whole lot of complexity in terms of the characters and how they get there. Um, in this movie, the thing that I really really like is there's so many moments where you're just not sure where they're going to go, and and it, it's compelling and it keeps your interest and and then the themes just I mean he hits on so many awesome 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 themes in the in the story yeah love it yep Mike what what did you think kind of base level on on Black Panther to echo the substance thoughts it's very thoughtful I don't I don't I, mean, I don't mean like just like it's considerate I mean like it's full of thoughts mm-hmm. about things and that's something that I really appreciated about it uh, it felt like it had something to say which is what you're saying. Um, I'm a little bit more sour on it in the first half of the movie because I feel like the greater connection to the Marvel universe is what really drags it down, trying to go and deal with all that stuff with the claw guy mm-hmm. and all that. And I understand what his purpose is, but the moment they get away from that and Michael B. Jordan's character kind of starts taking over more of the movie, that's when I got on board with it. And I came away feeling like, Okay, this was a good movie. Because I was a little iffy around the hour mark, I want to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And we can get more into that later, but... I actually agree with you, and I will say that resolves itself on repeat viewings. Yeah. It, it, I kind of feel like, in a way, it's kind of... Uh, when we talk more about it, it's kind of like how what some people feel like about The Dark Knight and mm-hmm. some of its mm-hmm. clunky parts. Yes. Um, by the way, Dark Knight is one of my favorite movies, so I'm not criticizing it. But I have a kind of similar reaction to some aspects of it that I don't necessarily feel about the dark Knight, but I've heard other people say about the dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually agree with that. I made the joke to you that it was, I called it the dark light L I T E. Cause it was kind of like a lighter version of the dark Knight. Yeah. Um, particularly in, I agree that first hour on a first viewing is really clunky. Mm. It's, uh, that the first act I actually really like of him, like the challenge day and all that mm. stuff. Yeah, the yeah, action's bad, cool. but which we'll, we'll get to in a second. But the, 
I really liked just seeing like the world of Wakanda and like mm. spending time there. I, I tweeted like, is this how <laughs> I was kind of mean about it? Cause I don't like the movie avatar, but I was like, is this how dummies feel about Pandora? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I really just wanted to spend time in Wakanda. Right. Um, and then like the stuff with claw, I was kind of like, uh, what? Like, I don't know about this on a repeated viewing. I think it really resolves itself. It's kind of like the China stuff in mm. the dark Knight, um, to a lesser extent. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think that really helped it. And it actually made the movie feel better. Like, yeah. it felt better paced mm-hmm. the second time I watched it. And then the third time I saw it, it felt like that thing moved, which I did not expect to happen. Because I was like, man, this is slow. I did see it at a Thursday night 10 p.m. screening. Mm-hmm. And once the audience, because, like, you know, Thursday's all the, like, hardcore Marvel people. Mm-hmm. Once the audience realized this was a thinky Marvel movie, yeah. they were out (laughs) um so the audience was not vibing on it really Mm -hmm. and uh so that went a long way with that of like okay what's going on here and then when killmonger does show up in wakanda i like checked my phone which i try to never do and there was 45 minutes left in the movie and i was like holy moly where what i can't believe this is still gonna go on for another 45 minutes and then by the third time i saw it i was like wow, there's still another 45 minutes of stuff that needs to happen, and I feel like we're at the end of the movie. Like, I was like, this thing barrels to the end of the movie in a really great, satisfying way. Um, Did you guys have... Well, I'll save you for last. Did you have any real dislikes about the movie? Well, just... It it was, like you said, I think it was atypical, and the action was less than what you would expect in a Mm -hmm. typical Marvel movie. So I took my nephews today for the second viewing... And they kind of were like, eh, it was it was good, but it was more philosophical. Yeah. And so a lot of the, you know, they're teenagers and the, the philosophical elements were a bit over their heads. Oh, yeah. Um, some of the the identity pieces and the connections, the nods to, to Oakland and some of the mm-hmm. more militant approaches to, you know, fighting for justice and whatnot. They didn't get that. And right. so for me, it was very satisfying and refreshing just because I'm steeped in all of that. Right. But I understand why, you know, a Marvel fan may look at it and say, I don't want to think that much. Just entertain yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Once again, I was kind of salty on Twitter this weekend. I tweeted that, like, Black Panther is something. It's got a lot on its mind. People will call it boring. Those people are morons. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's it, it's a thinky movie, and uh, you got to meet that movie more than halfway. Mm-hmm. But I think if you do, it's really good. Um, I really didn't like the action in most of it. I like the action in the climax. Yeah, uh, parts of it. <laughs> I really i like the car chase too there's only two action scenes in the movie that i actually truly liked i don't know what happened there because the fight sequences in creed are incredible like i think if just speaking personally this is this is the problem with having a guy in a vibranium suit that's impervious to bullets like be your your hero mm-hmm. is that you, there's not like a lot of tension or stakes the only time that it feels like that guy's in danger is when he's not in that suit yeah. and he's getting stabbed or whatever and so to me partially it was that partially it was the editing mm-hmm. um it, it, some of those fights are really choppily edited yeah. um the choreography wasn't great yeah so yeah i don't really know what happened beyond just the the no stakes aspect of you know the mm-hmm. hero is kind of impervious to almost anything. Yeah. Um, but I had a similar feeling. I just that first scene in the forest in Nigeria, I was like, what 
is this? Yeah. I was like, what? I I can't see anything. I saw it, I saw it in IMAX. I saw it in IMAX and couldn't make out what happened. When we saw it last night, we saw it at our local Regal, which is the worst theater in town, hands down. And their projectors are really dark. Mm-hmm. And that scene's really dark. And I was like, might as well turn <laughs> yeah. it off. Might as well save you <laughs> some power and turn it off, man. Like, I got nothing. It kind of reminds me to carry on this Dark Knight analogy. Like, the part where Batman first shows up in the Dark Knight, he goes and beats up the guys in the hockey pads and all that. Elbow stuff. fighting? And the elbow fight. And it was just kind of like, what is going on right now? Kind of like <laughs> yeah. to that. Like... Because I feel like the Dark Knight also doesn't have great action scenes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, okay, the car, the car chase, chase is good. Yeah. But, like, the hand-to-hand fighting is whatever. Yeah. Movies still kind of overcomes that. Same yeah. way I feel about Black Panther. Yeah, but, absolutely. But I felt that same way. I was like, oh, this analogy is continuing even to, like, the fight choreography almost. Yeah, I know that the... That's the thing is the Dark Knight analogy seems kind of rote. Yeah. But it's really apt, I yeah. think. I think it's... It's especially like, and maybe just because I came up with it, but like the dark light, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it just feels like diet dark night, not in a bad way, because it's still got a lot of themes mm-hmm. and it's a way different thing. Right. It's this movie that's about uh, legacy and finding your place in it and what it means to be, you know a black person from America versus a black person from Africa and responsibility and and responsibility and leadership and the, the, um, when you're leading, especially a country, what it means to find the balance between generosity of your abundant resources and tenacity and protecting your homeland, Mm -hmm. uh, something that's pretty relevant, (laughs) I would say right Mm -hmm. now. And it's, it's, the way Cooper handles it is like freaking masterful. Yeah. Like in, I, I can't believe this is, we're t- I, one, I can't believe we're talking about this crap in a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two, I can't believe we're talking about it without talking about like an extreme bias either way that the movie has. Like it's just an exploration. Like he just is like, let's, let's dig into this. Yeah. Well, and that's the reason why I feel like kind of that Dark Knight feeling again where Dark Knight, it's got like, Gotham is almost a character. Mm-hmm. You know, like the way people are reacting to terrorism. Oh, yeah, it's like a war on terror allegory. Right, you know, war on terror allegory. And it's like how society responds to this and like how they're responding to their heroes crumbling or whatever and dealing with this issue. And that's kind of how I feel like Wakanda is. It's almost like his own character too in this yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. And I got that same feeling like, oh, wow, it's like we're getting like a real fleshed out like look at like a way a people react to a situation. Um I'll say more later, but yeah, I'll, I'll Trigger, let yeah. Talk yeah. More. So, so on the action piece, just to push back a little bit. Yeah. So my wife saw it with me the first time. Okay. She loved it because of the way that women were empowered in the movie. Okay. Mm, yeah, so okay. Yeah. I don't know that there have been any Marvel movies to date that have shown that type of power for women or a community of women. Right. Um. In in, in terms of the um decisions that they have to make, the risks that they have to take, and then just kind of some of the the badass you know moves that they do make, like in the car car chase. The spear through the car. Yeah, is that, that's pretty sick. cool. No, yeah, that's that, pretty that sick. Was sweet. That and was so cool. there there are some some great mo- uh, moments there. I think one of the challenges is you're used to your protagonist, your hero usually being the one to save everything mm-hmm. and in this in this movie he just he does a really great job i think of developing other characters yes. so that they they help they have agency they have agency and they help yeah. that autonomy shows up in in mm-hmm. many places and um so kind of depending on what you want to see but i, I could see as a as a woman 
you know, that could be very empowering. Yeah. yeah. And she certainly, you know, mentioned, hey, I, I love the fact that they play such a, a critical role in helping, um, you know, yeah. helping achieve victory. I will say the action is better than it, than Wonder Woman. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and okay, I'm actually not, not going to disagree with you on that at all. Like, uh-huh. I actually agree with you that in concept, like, I like the idea of these people being badasses and doing cool stuff. I just feel like in the way it's executed, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't, like, very excitingly done. Sure. Yeah. So that's, I, that's all. Like, yeah, my problem with it is more thing. technical than contextual. Yeah, right. um, I actually think that's a really good point of, like, it's the first time... Even though he's got this like super cool suit that has kinetic powers and um, which one great idea for a super suit, by the way. Uh, but it's the first time we see, especially in these Marvel things, people working as a unit, mm-hmm. um, I guess Avengers, but, you know, like a hero and their because, uh, you know, this hero is, is so different. He's a leader of a country. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's got a constituency. Mm-hmm. that has to support him <laughs> you know he's yeah. he's the commander-in-chief of wakanda he leads their armies mm-hmm. so he's got the support of a literal army behind him and for the movie actually what i will say is is for the movie to take him even though he's in this basically invincibility suit and find ways for that army to go and help him was really clever Mm-hmm. Um, but like just the act of watching it w- could have been better I think sure. um, Tricky you also looked like you had something to say about the themes that I listed out I, I honestly like I said I actually wrote down probably seven okay. or eight really cool themes yeah go, go for, for it, it. <laughs> awesome <laughs> there, there are so many um, I'll, I'll start with the beginning so I talked about it and you see this in Creed as well but with identity um, I absolutely love the scenes because it, to me a great superhero character development story really dives into the why. Um, it, you know, it's one thing to have any superhero, um, Marvel, DC, anywhere, um, you know, suddenly have all of these great powers. And that's a given based on the comics. One. To me, what's more novel is the why. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's your what's your motivation for wanting to, to save the world or for wanting to get involved in a fight that where you don't have a dog or a pony in the in the show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's driving and what's motivating you? And so I thought the story did a really good job of, um, even though it might feel a bit clunky, I thought that Killmonger, that's what his role was. And so you can oh, take absolutely. another uh, a theme. Another theme is... For people who um, have historically been oppressed or marginalized, usually you have two competing philosophies on how you attain equity mm. or um, e- equality. And so I think of like MLK and Malcolm X. Yeah. So one's like revolution and the other is like, well, no, we've got to work through the political system because ultimately if we do achieve this, we've got to work with them. Mm. And I think that Killmonger does such a fantastic job of helping to show why when he does you know make himself manifest to the world kind of like iron man did years and years and years ago mm-hmm. um you understand why he's doing that yep. it's like no there is depth to this decision that says we are now going to share our technology we're going to we're going to open ourselves up to the world mm-hmm. um there have there have been many many battles and lives lost um leading to this this one decision that may look superficial on the surface um, so those are just a couple of the things that I noticed and I thought that's really, really good because it's so um, endemic 
to the black struggle in America and mm. possibly worldwide. So they connect it to Africa, but definitely here in America. Yeah, no, I actually, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie is that first post credit scene. Mm. Um, because when he, when he's talking about it, it's, it, 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 you realize like the weight that his struggle, even though it was like, a day <laughs> um, with Killmonger, like the 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 effect it had on his life and his philosophy. Um, you know, the the I really like the scene when they they meet in the throne room, mm-hmm. and uh, Killmonger's like, "Well, didn't didn't all life start here? Aren't all people your people?" And he's like, "I'm not king of all people. I'm king of Wakanda." Like, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like, "Yeah, man, like that's a good point." <laughs> um, but then to eventually see like. His when he when he fights and mortally wounds spoilers Killmonger, um, uh, and Killmonger has this great monologue before he takes him out to the sunset about like um, how he'd been obsessed with Wakanda since he was a kid after he saw the spaceship and um, he says imagine that a little boy from Oakland running around believing in fairy tales. That's Ryan Coogler. That is Ryan Coogler laid bare, <laughs> yes. right? Like that, he's a little boy from Oakland that was running around believing in fairy tales yep. and was able to make them. Right. Mm-hmm. But now it's asking the question of like, at what cost? Right. And, you know, there's, there's the idea of, of when, when he first becomes King of Wakanda, T'Challa's really reluctant to be part of the rest of the world. He, you know, they, they, they use a lot of talk about refugees. If we let refugees in, they're, they're going to bring their problems with them and then we'll be just like everyone else. And then Killmonger's on the more extremes, on the other ex- extreme of like, we're going to dominate the world. Like, we are going to become the dominant race. Mm-hmm. And the movie is like, uh... As with most things, the answers may be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I really appreciated that uh, about the movie where it was like, it has a level ahead about it. Like, it, it didn't have this, like, extreme anti, like, borderline xenophobic message, but it didn't have this extreme, like, oh, no, we have to fight to be in charge of everything all at once right this second. And mm-hmm. it was like, well, the, the equality is what we're looking for, right? Like equal we Mm -hmm. just don't we just want to be equal where everyone has the same Mm -hmm. and uh that's what we want to fight for and i think that the movie did a really good job of handling that Mm -hmm. where it's like uh a little bit both wrong like let's take some stuff like you you have good points you have good points let's talk them out though like Mm -hmm. it can't it can't exist in extremism and we see that in killmonger's death right like killmonger's extremism leads to his death mm-hmm. he kills himself he won he kills himself he kills himself before t'challa even gets to tell him what he wants to do with him mm-hmm. right he says uh you know maybe we can heal you with our vibranium technology mm-hmm. and killmonger's like why so you can imprison me mm-hmm. and before t'challa can even answer or respond to that he's like nah i'm good and like rips out the thing and it's like well hang on man like he didn't say that he was gonna imprison you like if, if he would have stayed alive, he could have been this, like, yeah, really great uh, contributor to Wakandan society, but he was so unwilling to waver in his beliefs mm-hmm. that he couldn't. Like, he, it, it, he was so staunch in what he believed that he couldn't function as a person anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, 
I almost feel like the alternate title for the movie is like the tragedy of Eric Killmonger. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. um, Mike, what what do you think? Okay, so this is actually one of my slight problems with the movie. Um, I, first of all, I should just lay out the fact that I think that the villain in the movie is really, really good. Um, Michael B. Jordan's really, really good. We one of the best actors of the generation. Right, and we haven't talked about that yet, but he's really good. Um, I see what you're saying in terms of, I think the movie's trying to say that there's balance like mm-hmm. between those two views. I kind of feel like Killmonger, uh, that or Kubler is speaking more through Killmonger than he is with the other characters who are trying to rebut him. And I kind of feel like at the end of the movie, you kind of got this guy, Killmonger's like fleshed out vision of everything. And everyone else is like, but no. Like that, that's kind of how I felt mm-hmm. almost is that like he has like these like long speeches and monologues and no one ever really like really gives a good rebuttal to him. And to me, I think that kind of undermines the point um, that the movie's ostensibly trying to make. But I almost like the movie like half heartedly doesn't believe it, doesn't believe in the hero's rebuttal to him. And so it's more of a feeling than anything. But to go back to the Dark Knight analogy, for example. I know there's a lot of people who go and feel like um, the Joker takes over that movie and that Batman kind of like, he's kind of nothing in part of the movie. Mm-hmm. I disagree with that. Yeah, no, that's um, not and, true at all. And, I, and I, think, I think the movie gives rebuttals to him through Batman and through the other characters and society, like society in the end choosing to reject him. Um, but I, I can kind of see that argument being applied to this movie in a way where I feel like Black Panther kind of disappears for part of the movie he doesn't really get a chance to fight back um, through his words. Obviously, through his actions, I think, are important. Um, but I feel like, on balance, I-, I left the film kind of feeling like nobody really like like gave him like a good like speech though against what he was saying. And mm-hmm. word and actions are important too. But um, I just kind of felt a little unfulfilled by the movie's rebuttal of what he stood for. So. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Again, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Just to, to bring a different perspective, I think watching it again may yeah. land some insight. So yes. mm-hmm. seeing it again today, one of the things that I noticed, and I think it made the action scene seem a little weird. So the final battle between mm-hmm. Killmonger and Black Panther. The whole time that they're fighting and the train is whizzing by and they're mm-hmm. on different sides, yeah. they're having this huge philosophical debate. Yeah. And it happens in like two minutes, but they're yelling and... and, and um, the Black Panther, his his rebuttal is, you know, if we go with your extreme perspective, he says you've you've become what you've hated. Yeah. Um, and you know, Killmonger saying, you know, the world took everything from me, and so I'm gonna take the world to take the world right, and, and right. fight back and and kill. And he's talking about sending vibranium out to all other war dogs and and taking over all the other countries. And he's saying you've you've become exactly what you hate and quote unquote a colonizer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that. Killmonger also is a representation, an extreme representation of people within Wakanda. Because if you remember the first person yeah. who mentions that we need to take our technology and share it with the world, we need to move outside of our bubble, is Nakia. Yeah. His love interest. And he kind of, ah, you know, just, nah, no worries because his dad didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And then his friend, because right. of different reasons, he wants to do it just to get um, Claw. Claw. Um, but he also kind of says the same thing like, hey, 
send my men out and we'll go clean up the justice, world. clean up the world. Yeah. Right? And so they, they're thinking about it and these ideas are percolating and, and Killmonger just brings them to this crushing, you know, climax. It's right. like, you're going to do this because I'm going to take the throne and force you to do this. Yeah, he, he pushes it to a breaking point. Right? Correct. It's, it's like... Film Crit Hulk has, like, a, a cool analysis. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but about how basically uh, Ryan Coogler made Do the Right Thing, but as a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, I think, I think the actions do speak a lot louder. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe especially on repeat viewings. I think that, that the movie rebuts him through the actions of, uh, uh, of Wakanda of T'Challa as a leader. Mm-hmm. And I think that the movie ultimately lands on like, he can talk about that stuff all he wants. And yeah, he enacted that plan, but that plan was not a sustainable plan. It was a plan that was so extreme. They mm-hmm. had to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And now we see T'Challa enacting this plan to do more outreach across the world, particularly in, you know, underserved black communities, right? Mm-hmm. He goes and buys the building that, that, um, his uncle died. The the building that made Killmonger, right? right? In, yeah. Oakland, to, yeah. in Oakland to prevent that from happening a second time, you mm-hmm. know. But he is still the leader of a country that has to protect his people. You know, like it's still this thing where he says, "I'm not king of all people. I'm the king of Wakanda. I still have to do what's in the best interest of my country, and mm-hmm. I can use my abundance to help around the world." But I, it's not my job. It's not my job to go and like make sure everyone's right all the time. It's my job to make sure me and mine are are well taken care of here at home. And so he sets up this, you know, the Wakandan Outreach Center where he can have him and, you know, Shuri and, and Nakia can have a little bit of control of what leaks out of Wakanda, mm. you know, of like, okay, he, you know, we'll give them this, we'll give them this, but we're going to hold back on this. You know, if they find out the weapons that can be made out of our vibranium and the weapons that we do have, um, it's going to be chaos. Mm-hmm. And I think that the movie is ultimately like, yeah, if you are in a country, America, that, that is, is, has abundant resources, we should be using them to an extent to help around the world, but we don't. But we also understand that it's not our job to go and like necessarily make everyone America. Like we, we it can't be a global empire. It's unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the movie rebuts him through the actions of T'Challa and his his cohorts mm-hmm. um, more than words. I think it's saying that ultimately Killmonger's words are empty. Yeah. There's no meaning to them. You can talk about what you want to do all day, but until you put that stuff into action, it's 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 just words. And once Killmonger puts his plan into action, that's stupid and it fails. Yeah. I guess I'm loath to do this because I don't like blaming audiences' interpretations for how I maybe have problems with the movie, but I saw on Twitter and Facebook some people go and say like, oh, Kim Killmonger was right. Yeah, I've seen that too. And, and like, that to me is obviously it's mostly on the individual for walking away with that. Because I agree, the, the text of the movie is not saying that. Mm-hmm. But I also say it's partially on the movie for making him so compelling that some people walk away feeling that he's right about it. 
You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it feels like the movie, I'm not saying like it's completely weighted, but it's just ever so slightly like it tips to his side. It kind of feels like in the compelling department that I, I understand why some people walk away with that being their feeling. And so that to me is the reason why I didn't, I didn't like how they handled that so much. It, it's like very nuanced because I feel like maybe just one or two things could just shift it back into like being equal. And I don't want to harp on it too much, but um, that was like the one thing I didn't like about kind of the thematic element of the, that thematic element of the mm-hmm. movie anyway. I felt that was actually pretty raw and pretty real because mm-hmm. if you think about it, um, you know, tr- truth always triumphs. Mm-hmm. Love over hatred, light over darkness, um, forgiveness over over justice and hatred mm. um, or vengeance. Right. But usually both arguments are very compelling. Mm-hmm. And I think that the real world, in the real world, you're going to have people on both sides. And while it may be uncomfortable, I mean, look at today. Yeah. Um, if you were to go and say, hey, th- there was this injustice here. Um, I think we should strike and, yeah. and you know, take vengeance or whatever. And then and if someone says, no, 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 let's be measured in our approach. Mm-hmm. Let's forgive. Here's why. It's a longer term solution. There's sustainability. You might get 50-50. Right. Um, or if you get 60-40, that's probably good. Well, and the vengeance aspect is the more tempting of the two. It is. Oh, yeah. Eye for an eye, right? You know, yeah. Eye for an eye and the yeah. sinfulness in the general, same. which is, you know, the wrong path is obviously sometimes way more attractive to people. Yeah. So I agree with that. Like, I understand why some people would walk away with that feeling because, mm-hmm. you know, like, like most things, the bad way of doing things is, I think, sometimes very appealing to us in our sinful nature, our, our fallen nature. Mm-hmm. So um, I agree with you. It, it, it's We're talking like matters of degrees here in terms <laughs> well, of like, like, I still liked it. <laughs> yeah, know? sure. Um, but yeah, this is something I, that kind of just bo- bothered me over the last couple of days reading impressions of the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's some, it's inspired some real trash writing. Yeah, yeah. On both real sides. Real bad, bad hot takes. On did you, movie. I hope neither one of you did, but I did. Did you guys read the Breitbart review of this movie? Uh, no. I read part of it. Holy uh, yikes. Yeah, that was like the complete misreading of the whole movie. Too. So, you know Breitbart, right? Of course. Yeah, okay. So Breitbart, I did, one, didn't know they had a movie critic. Oh yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, wish I didn't know that, but here we are. Uh, he posted an article that said that uh, T'Challa is Trump and uh, uh, Killmonger is Black Lives Matter. And I was like, we need to calm the F down right this second. Now, on the other side, I saw a Jezebel article that said why Black Panther deserves to be worshipped. And I was like, everyone, (laughs) shut up. Just stop talking. Can we just let this movie simmer for like six months and then talk about this for like on that level? Yeah. Yeah. Also, the text of that bright... I didn't read the Jezebel review, but the the text of that Breitbart review was nuts, man. I mean, under unsurprisingly stupid right. but man no, the movie's a lot more measured than the way it's being taken by, on by either both side. sides <laughs> yeah. of the aisle the which I think is around. why it's being taken that way on yeah. both sides of the mm-hmm. aisle is because it's like cool headed argument yeah. yes yes well I mean <laughs> yeah once yes. again to go and bring like the Dark Knight analogy back into this again for the upteenth time that's what people treated Dark Knight with which was like mm-hmm. it's a condemnation of George Bush and then people are like no it's like praising George Bush and the war on terror and like because the movie itself 
I, I think it was kind of like 50-50 yeah. on some things. You yeah, know, like yeah. Batman's doing Mass surveillance. Things, and... The mass surveillance stuff, which, you know, the ostensi- one of the essentially like moral characters of the movie, Lucius Fox, Morgan Freeman's character, is like, this is wrong, I'm against this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's kind of leaning towards the that's bad kind of thing. But then it also catches the bad guy in the end. Yeah. So And Batman also destroys it. So, like... He kind of does the right thing, so oh well, other people took it like oh, but George Bush is right, and it was like this thing where it, it was like this perfect kind of all right. You can read into it from either side, maybe if you really had an agenda right. and an axe to grind. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't think the movie was interested in really saying anything one way or the other. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's but but I think this is you know for for is is maybe the less quote entertaining uh, than the movie is although i think the movie is really compelling uh in lieu of being quote entertaining blockbuster entertainment i think you know this conversation here is why y'all need to go see it if you have if you're listening yeah. to this and you haven't seen that i don't know why you're listening but right. um it, it, you know i think that this movie is sparking way more conversation mm-hmm. uh Good, bad, and good and bad. Yeah. Um, good, bad, and a dumpster fire. Uh, uh, than any of these other recent. I mean, any movie since this Dark Knight, any of these yeah. superhero movies since the Dark Knight, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is crazy because like Iron Man has the first Iron Man has actually a pretty compelling theme at its core, right? Like he's mm-hmm. this arms dealer that sees the the destruction he causes across the 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 um, the world. By selling these weapons and eventually is like, okay, how do I, what's my redemption here, right? right. It, it doesn't super duper explore that theme. It, yeah. It's there. It's like a personal redemption, but it doesn't go beyond. Yeah, it doesn't of, redeem him necessarily at large. Yeah. And then like even Iron Man 3, which I know a lot of people don't like, but there's like a good PTSD uh-huh. um, exploration there at the beginning of the movie that never really coalesces across it. Yeah. I think thematically this is the best Marvel movie, hands down, yeah, um, except most... maybe Winter Soldier. Yeah. Winter Soldier has like a great mass surveillance thing, mm-hmm. um, mass surveillance exploration of themes. Uh, that's the only other one I could think of that has like something to think about. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, and, and I think that one has like a very focused Mm-hmm. Um, point of something to think about. And I think this one isn't all over the place, but I think this one has it's more uh, comprehensive. Yeah, this <laughs> this one's yeah. This is this is it, it's it's a two hour and fifteen minute lecture, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but it's a really great, compelling lecture with good performances. Um, a couple other things. I really there are certain moments in the movie where it's like, I'm glad you made this choice because if you would have made this choice, it would have just been the Lion King. yeah actually specifically with the ancestral plane i was like really glad you're not coming out of the clouds (laughs) but you know what like that whole ancestral plane thing it it justifies itself with Killmonger's vision of it being in Oakland. Yeah, that's like such a good visual. I freaking loved it. It's like it's like lifting that imagery, but then it goes and places it like in an apartment building in Oakland. There's this great one of the things like in the dramatic scenes, and this is why I don't really understand how the action got so mucked up. Is Coogler's so good at showing you exactly what he wants you to see? Like he's so in control of those dramatic scenes. Mm -hmm. There's this great moment when. you know, because the ancestral plane, when Killmonger goes into it, he 
it gives you like a couple flashes of your ancestors through your life. And it takes him to the night he found his father dead in that same apartment in Oakland. We see young Eric, uh, Eric Stevens sitting there holding his father's body, crying. And then, you know, we see him, it's, it's behind his head. He walks in the apartment and then it's like a fade to white, fade back into white. And he's holding his dad and crying, fade back to white adult Eric Killmonger standing outside that same door. One Mm. great, great storytelling in that Mm. already walks in the door and Michael B. Jordan does this great thing where he's walking in, looks at where his dad's body was Mm -hmm. and he does, he's not like taken aback, but he pauses for a second. Like, Oh, that's weird. Like the only other memory I have of this place mm-hmm. is my dad's dead body laying there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like he just there's this like slight this slight break in his in his gate yeah. where it's just like, wait a second. And then he continues on. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, what you're seeing is through the windows of that apartment in Oakland, yeah. the purple and the mm-hmm. trees of the ancestral yeah. plane. It's so good. Yeah. It's <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it's also coming back and forth between him being a kid mm-hmm. and then going Which back is great. to being an adult. Um, that whole scene, I think, is, I'd say, the best scene in the movie. It's one of the best scenes of the movie, for uh-huh. sure. Especially because he's got that line where he's like what no tears for your daddy Mm -hmm. and he was like everyone dies it's just part of life here because he was you know in the violent you know part of oakland and then it cuts to eric as an adult and he's crying Mm -hmm. i was like oh man that's so good that's so good there's there's i don't know i think there's a ton to like about this movie man Mm -hmm. um once again i think creed's the more cohesive uh movie but i think this one is so ambitious like it's so ambitious and so like it's so to be respected because of its ambition that um, it's hard to, like, you can't write it off, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Cooper's got the goods, man. Like, he's, I want to see him do, and I think I think also, you know, with the way this movie ends with Wakanda opening centers across the world, you really have an open door, mm-hmm. especially because they killed the two villains of this piece, mm-hmm. which, uh, what a great decision. Uh, a decision I don't necessarily like quote unquote because i really i actually really liked andy circus's claw in the movie i thought he was great um i like my villains when they just like devour the scenery uh, <laughs> yeah, she that. Uh. yeah um so I, they're like i know he's maybe not he's not as compelling or good quote unquote as michael b jordan is in the movie but i really really liked him he says some dumb funny stuff in that movie and he looked like he was having a great time doing it that song. and that goes oh yeah, my god president that song yeah. is just epic that and we <laughs> that stupid mixtape joke yeah i know that's great actually i do um uh to round it out i think shuri is the best cue we've had in about a decade oh, yeah she, she was, was really amazing. good she's a find was she yeah. any, she is she in anything else i was I looking know. her up she's gonna be in ready player one oh okay. um so she, she's new on the scene yeah i think, I think yeah. this is her big big break okay. she was in like an ep- she's been she's been on a lot of british television but for um, one episode here and there like doctor who yeah. humans she was on some other show i had heard of she's good yeah, yeah she's um great. but she had uh yeah, this is her first major role, and then she's going to be in Ready Player One. So to be working with, like, one of the best directors of his generation and then the best director of all time back-to-back has got to be something, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure she's going to be part of that Avengers thing. Okay. I'm really looking forward to seeing her plug in with, like, Tony and Banner and Peter Parker. Yeah, that'd be cool. 
Um, I think that like core science group is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's really cool. I don't know. I thought his tech was super awesome. Like the the suit and the necklace was great. Yeah. The sneakers were great. I thought it was great that she called them sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> um, the self driving car thing was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked that the climax of the movie was just the Phantom Menace again. I think the climax of Phantom Menace... It really is a Star Wars ending. Yeah, I think the the Phantom Menace is... has a really good climax. Uh, I like that movie in general. I know people... most people hate it. Uh, but I I usually... I I like that movie in general, but I think the strongest part of that movie, hands down, is that climax. That's Mm. sort of... The three-tiered battle. Yeah, the three-tiered battle. And this is literally the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like... Beat for beat, the same thing. Um, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, I I tend to have an unpopular opinion uh, that I can sum up as, what's so great about originality? Um, yeah. Like, if something works, it works, man. Um, Trick, yeah. you look like you had something to say about the, the climax. No. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, I thought it was um, I thought it was a great climax. I see what you're saying with the Phantom Menace, but it, it kept my attention, so... Yeah, is about the best action that they had in the movie. Yeah, also battle rhinos. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. cool, <laughs> dude. When he took out that rhino, I was like, "That's awesome." That <laughs> <Yeah>, was. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Mike, do you have anything else to? Um, I mean, just like minor things. I think I liked talking about this movie more than I think I maybe liked like watching it in the <laughs> theater in a way. Like, uh-huh. uh, I maybe okay. I liked it. I wish the execution of things were better in terms yeah. of the action and that kind of stuff, the pacing. Um, I can we just harp on like the CG and how bad it was? It was <laughs> terrible. It, it was pretty bad. Um, it's awful. The oh, the one takes fight scene in the casino was uh, hot garbage. Oh yeah, my gosh, I yeah. thought it was awful. I know, and Kugler like is capable of doing a really great one take. Too. Yeah, it was so sloppy, and yeah. the edits were so obvious, man. Yeah, so it's just stuff like that. Um, it just took me out of the movie. I um, I'm not a big fan of like the secret society that's like been hidden for thousands of years trope in general. Mm-hmm. So I don't like. Atlantis, for example, and like the, the new DC movies, like oh, here's this like hidden city kind of like thing. I don't really like that, and uh, uh, just from the standpoint, like I have a hard time believing in sort of like the fiction of okay, no one's ever escaped from this place and like leaked word of it to the outside world kind of thing. I have a really hard like suspension of disbelief going on with that, and I feel like this movie also kind of pushed that too. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and to me, I, I would have liked if, and this goes with the CG as well. If, like, what kind of been a little less advanced, maybe I would have bought into that a little bit more. Like, okay, it, it's hidden away, or uh, because, like, the way it was depicted, it was like partially because of the CG, it didn't, it didn't look good. Like, it looked good, and from like an artistic standpoint, like, yeah, that, there's like good production design, right? Good production design, but then, like, how it was delivered via CG was not good. Mm. And I kind of just wish sometimes these movies would just take a step back with like the constant. CG and go a little bit more practical with things. Yeah. Like, and, and I say that from Atlantis to this to uh, Asgard. Um, mm-hmm. I wish Asgard was a little bit more like lived in and real feeling in the Thor movies. It's just a little too much for me. Um, and I like how Star Wars is a little bit more lived in or Lord of the Rings is a little more lived in feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes, it doesn't break the reality of it as much for me. Yeah. I know there was. <sighs> 
I totally agree with you. Yeah. I, I think you know, the more you can lean towards realism, mm-hmm. yeah, it, 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 I, I prefer that. I know yeah. some people probably don't care. Right. Uh, again, my nephews thought Asgard was phenomenal. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> it's hard for my brain to, to make that leap. Yeah. But I think that some people do appreciate the, you know, the weird polish. I like my things to be a little grittier mm-hmm. and, and like I say, more lived in. And so totally with you there yeah yeah i you know there's this there's this speaking of bad commentaries on the movie there's a certain section not it's a very small minority of people that i saw on twitter that were talking about how the movie wasn't really all that interested in um like like black pride because they didn't film in africa And I was like, uh, you guys need to calm down. But I actually kind of wish they would have filmed in Africa so it did look a little more lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, they shot it just like on sound stages in Atlanta and like, uh, I don't remember where they shot the outdoors. But they had plenty of time. They shot it in 2016 over four months. They shot it from January to April. Yeah. So it's not like they rushed the movie right. at all. There's just like a lot of obvious green screen because mm-hmm. of it. Like the way like some things are lit. And I know that Coogler... He can go and film the hell out of the movie. Yeah. Um, and that's something I really like about Creed. And that's what I liked about some of the Oakland scenes in this movie. Because, like, Coogler has such an eye for, like, his hometown and for, like, these real lived-in urban centers. Yeah. Um, where, like, there's life and it feels like, like there's a history there. And I don't feel like the CG environments that, you know, someone at ILM crafted feel as lovingly filmed... Um, as Cougar does with like his hometown or like Philadelphia, Philadelphia or something like that. Yeah, um, especially I love the scene at the end where you see the old basketball hoop and then it pans over and you see the newer basketball hoop. Yeah, yeah it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, just little visual touches like that really also keep me from writing the movie off visually too. Like yeah. you know the action isn't the best, uh, like we talked about in in execution, but man, it's so good. Yeah. Um, Last thing, because I do have to go pick up my dad. <laughs> um, uh, Michonne was really good in the movie. I don't know that actress's name. She plays Michonne on The Walking Dead. Oh, that was her. I didn't even know. Yeah. I, I, remember, I remember hearing her name thrown around. Okoye? Okoye? Okoye. Okoye. She was great. Yes. I really, really liked her a lot. Yeah, she's good. Yep. She's phenomenal. And Lupita's great, but she's great in most yeah. things. Yeah, um, it goes without saying. Yeah. Yep. Traker, do you have any final thoughts on Black Panther? Final thing, I love the quote that he says at the end, in times of crisis, the wise build bridges and while the foolish build barriers, we must look after each other as though we are all of one tribe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually a great setup for Infinity Wars. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come together, a message of unity. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yep. I Man, I think it's such a bold choice to... Uh, there's a couple of really bold decisions in this movie. One, just disposing of Claw. Just like, done. Uh, I thought that was great. Uh, for as much as I liked that villain, I liked how they were like, mm, useless, bye. Uh, just like, threw him away. I thought that was awesome. I also, it, it did it better than how they handled Annie Circus' last character, Snoke. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was crazy. For sure. This guy's useless, dead also, but you don't know anything about him. So. Yeah, I felt like I knew how Claw was. Yeah, at least I had an idea. Well, he said where he was from, right? Like, it was yeah, his accent's yeah. a clearly South African. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he said, he like has that line right before he dies about, like, Oh, when we get back to Joburg, I'm going to lay low for but a while. But they gave exposition about who he was and what he's been doing he, for 20 years and all that stuff. And yeah. I just think, 
Like, you couldn't have done like a paragraph of exposition of Star Wars if you really that like short for time that you couldn't do that in your uh, two and a half hour movie. Yeah, um, kill me, lot last Jedi man. And uh, but so I, I really like that, and I really liked how this is the movie before Infinity War, by the way. Yeah. And it was like, mm, here's a little bit of Bucky at the end. Like yeah. that, that was it. Yeah. Like no freaking. Infinity Stones, mm. no Captain America references except for another broken white boy line and Bucky at the end. That's yeah. it. Uh, no, like, Civil War talk about, like, hey, that was some crazy issue that happened at the United Nations, wasn't it, kid? Yeah. Like, no one said anything about it. I thought it was so great that it was just like, mm, F it. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I and thought... Forrest Whitaker doing another accent and then getting killed um, by people. Eyes? Warm eyes. Yeah. Yep. They did a really great job casting the younger versions of those people. Yeah. That kid looked a lot like Michael B. Jordan. Uh, the younger Zuri had Forrest Whitaker droopy eye. Mm-hmm. I, like I, the, I remember the second time I saw it being like, oh wait, yeah, that's a younger version of a Forrest Whitaker's character. All right, I got to check. And so the next <laughs> time they showed him, I was like, he's got that droopy eye. <laughs> Uh, also, what was with uh, T'Challa's dad's eye? I don't remember that <laughs> okay, from yeah. the first, from Civil War. I think he's just gotten older. You think so? I think so, yeah. Okay, I couldn't tell if he had like a glass eye or... I don't know, yeah, I don't know what that was. It was like, it was. I don't want to say it was distracting because it's just how that guy looks. Yeah. But like, it was... Now, as someone who, who had like a partial lazy eye growing up. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go and... It was kind of like, what's... Like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that'll be it. You guys have anything else to add? No. Draco, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. I Thanks hope your uh, first podcast experience was a positive one. It's fantastic. Good. That's good to hear. Um, yeah, you can find my writing at wordofthenerd.com. I wrote about this movie. I actually gave it an 8.3 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. Um, what else? Uh, oh, I'm doing introductions for the Cults and Classics series over at the Fox Theater. Um, the next one is, I want to say March 2nd, if that's a Monday. Uh, it's the first Monday in March, I'm pretty sure. I'm going to be introducing the movie Footloose. Uh, at the Fox Theater, you should come out. That's the Fox Theater in Bakersfield, by the way. Um, there are several Fox Theaters around the country. And, uh, it's $5 a ticket. Uh, you should come out. Go check their website bakersfieldfox.com and see what movies you want to come. I'm going to be introducing Jaws on May 17th. I want as many people out there as possible. Please, please, please come to that. It will be your birthday present to me. Uh, It's a week before my birthday. Jaws is my favorite movie of all time. I'm so excited to be on a stage talking about that movie. Uh, Please come to that in May, but come to the other ones as well. We're showing some good stuff. We're showing Singing in the Rain. Uh, Ghostbusters is in April. Um, yeah, Ghostbusters is, let's see, April 16th. Yeah. Um, Footloose is the 5th of Foot- March. 5th of March is, yeah. thank you, mm-hmm. is when is when Footloose is. So I will be on stage at the Fox Theater. I introduced Big Lebowski. Um, it was a really good time. I'd never seen that movie in a theater with a group of people before. That thing plays to an audience. Holy moly. <laughs> um and, uh, yeah, that's that's a fun, exciting thing that I've been doing and I think you should support because I like seeing movies I haven't had the chance to see on a big screen on a big screen in a 1930s movie house, no less, right? Uh, using that venue for its intended purpose. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, Draco, do you have anything you want to plug? No. Mike? Uh, book. You, yeah, book, book. Um, I wrote a book. It's called The Aurora War. It's on Amazon.com. It's getting professionally reviewed and should have a professional review in like two months. But it's also getting unofficial reviews from people who are friends and family and otherwise unaffiliated from me. And it's getting good reviews and positive feedback if you care about anything I've had to say and any of the criticism and think that you want to see whether I put my money where my mouth is, you can go and check it out on Amazon. Thank you. Cool. Uh, until next time, we're the bad guys. <laughs> I can't believe we still say that at the end of our episode. You wrote a book? <laughs>